Hey guys, welcome back to There I Read It, where I am reading Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone for the first time ever, and I have just finished the book a few seconds ago. I am, I'm so excited. Oh, the little card I'm using for a bookmarker fell out. But this is all wrapping, but this is all our big climax and then wrapping up everything at the end, so I won't really overview it, I'll just jump into my notes. Now the last chapter ended with Harry going into the last chamber that is protecting the Sorcerer's Stone and he sees someone, dun dun dun. It turns out it was Quirrell, surprised to no one who's seen the movie. And Quirrell was the one who tried to knock Harry off his broom and Snape was actually trying to do little counter spells there to save Harry. And Quirrell was also the one who let in the troll during Halloween, but Snape was wise to it, so he ran up to the third floor to stop him, and that's where he got his leg bit. And Quirrell says that he has a way with trolls, which does make sense. When you look at how the different professors guarded each room on the way through to the Sorcerer's Stone, Quirrell's had a troll in it, which makes it curious that seeing the troll in Hogwarts made Quirrell freak out and pass out at Halloween time. So looking back, he was obviously protesting too much to try and throw people off his scent. But surely Dumbledore and the other professors would have realized, hey, isn't Quirrell the one who enchanted that troll room? So I'm almost surprised that he wasn't caught earlier. Now the mirror of, I still don't know how to pronounce it, so I'm just gonna say erased. The mirror of erased is the key to getting the Sorcerer's Stone. But so why was the mirror in the storage room to begin with where Harry found it? If this wasn't a big plan for Dumbledore to have Harry face off against Voldemort, then two and two doesn't really add up there. But they do kind of imply by the end of the chapter that this all was kind of Dumbledore's plan, like not necessarily a fixed plan, but he was open to the option. And Quirrell explains that, yeah, Snape does hate Harry, but it's because of James. Dumbledore explains later that James Potter saved Snape's life and Snape didn't like being in his debt, so that's why he tried to keep Harry alive. It was sort of Snape's way to pay off his debt to the dead. But anyways, Harry is now bound up and stuck right in front of Quirrell who's trying to figure out this mirror and Harry just wants to look in the mirror most wanting the Sorcerer's Stone so he can get it and Quirrell won't. And Harry does get to do this. He sees his reflection take the Sorcerer's Stone out of his pocket and then drops it back in his pocket which somehow lands it right in Harry's real life pocket. And then all the tensions built up which is really ruined because I've seen the movies before. But Quirrell takes off that turban and on the back of his head is this chalk white red-eyed slit knot face that look like a snake and it's Voldemort. Voldemort says he's mere shadow and vapor unless he's sharing his form with someone else. He also says that the elixir of life will give him a body of his own. And Voldemort is aware that Harry has the stone, however when Quirrell tries to stop him, just touching Harry's skin starts burning Quirrell. And that touch is also really hurting Harry's scar and giving him this blindingly bad headache, but still he's able to burn Quirrell by touching his face. They don't directly state whether or not Harry kills Quirrell, but I, I kind of think he might have burned him to death. But after all is said and done, Harry blacks out for three days. He wakes up in Mrs. Pomfrey's infirmary and Dumbledore's there telling him that Nicholas Flamel's gonna destroy the Sorcerer's Stone. And Harry goes, well, isn't that gonna kill Nicholas and his wife? And Dumbledore tells him that, well, yeah, they have enough elixir of life to set their affairs in order, but they're gonna die. But not to worry, because to the well-organized mind, death is but the next great adventure. I really love that quote and I feel like I haven't heard it that often. Dumbledore does say that 
Voldemort fled and left Quirrell to die, but again, he doesn't really say, did Dumbledore kill Quirrell or did Harry kill Quirrell? And it seems like Dumbledore is very pleased that Voldemort got delayed and kind of his plan is to see Voldemort keep getting delayed because every time somebody steps up and puts a hiccup in Voldemort's plan, that keeps him out of power a little bit longer. So if they can get enough people to really fight back against Voldemort, they can delay his rise to power forever. Not sure that that's a great plan, but it's a plan, so I guess points for creativity? Then Harry wants to ask some questions, but Dumbledore won't explain why Voldemort wanted to kill Harry as a baby. He's like, I'll tell you when you're older, but now's not the time. And Harry just sort of, well, I guess that's the response I'm getting, so fine. Then Harry asks how he was able to hurt Quirrell, and the answer is apparently his mother's love. That his mother loved him so much that it put this sort of mark on him, like an aura almost, so that people wanting to do Harry wrong can't, uh, can't get through to him. But I also wonder if the mirror had anything to do with that, because it was right there in the room also, and Harry had seen his parents in there earlier, even extended relatives, that he'd have no idea what they looked like. So either that mirror is really good at constructing things it shouldn't know how to construct, or it was letting Harry see their actual ghosts before and they're still kind of hovering around keeping Harry safe. Then it's explained that Harry's invisibility cloak, the one that used to belong to his father James, actually came from Dumbledore. So James gave it to Dumbledore and then Dumbledore gave it to Harry. And it's explained that Harry was able to get the stone through the mirror because only someone who wanted to find it but not use it would be able to get a hold of the stone. Because otherwise, the person would look in the mirror and see themselves making the elixir of life or whatever else with the stone, they wouldn't actually see themselves getting the stone. Because getting the stone is just a stepping stone to what you actually want. It's confusing, but the logic tracks. And then Hermione and Ron come in, and Harry finds out that the Quidditch team lost to Ravenclaw, and Slytherin won the House Cup. After that, Hagrid comes in and he's just in tears feeling so bad that he's the one that caused Harry to get hurt. And I mean, not directly, but because Hagrid had slipped up and told the secret about Fluffy, that's what was the catalyst that put everything else in motion for that day. I guess a few days back now. But Hagrid is gone and written to all of Lily and James's old classmates and asked them to send pictures. So he's put together this photo album of all these wizard pictures where he can actually see his parents moving for the first time ever. And that was just really sweet. I've been a little bit up and down about Hagrid in the book, but, but that warmed my heart a bit. I like you, Mummy Haggy. And now we're at the end of the year banquet and the house cup standings are as follows. Gryffindor, 312 points. Hufflepuff, 352 points. Ravenclaw, 426 points. And Slytherin, 472 points. But then Dumbledore goes, ah, 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 we have some recent late entries to count here. And Ron gets 50 points. Hermione gets 50 points. Harry gets 60 points. And now Gryffindor and Slytherin are both tied at 472 points each. But then my dear sweet baby Nevzies gets awarded 10 points for being brave enough to stand up to his friends. And it's, I, I love that so much because it's said that these are the first points Neville has ever gotten for the house, but he also gets to go last, even though his points are the smallest amount, which, I mean, it really lets Neville be the hero. It, you know, it, like, it lets somebody else share in that victory a little bit more. So I really loved how that worked out. And now it's the end of the year and everybody's going back home and through the train. And I actually thought it was interesting when they get off the train at platform nine and three quarters, there's guards there that don't just let them all rush out 
out through the little whatever wall, pillar, whatever it is that they come through so that the muggles don't notice and freak out. So they only let them go through two or three at a time and Ron invites Harry to come stay with him for at least part of the summer but you know Harry gets out there back into the muggle world and there is Vernon ready to take everything and load it in the car and Petunia and Dudley are looking horrified. And again, I know everybody hates it when I say anything positive about the Dursleys, but you know, hey, they did show up. I don't think there was anything forcing them to show up and pick Harry up from the train station, but they did it. And being that they look absolutely horrified to even be near Harry, that's really saying something. I know somebody has mentioned to me that, well, it's explained that it's mutually beneficial in a later book, but so far it's not. There's no given reason in Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone why they would keep Harry and why they would come back for Harry. So I just, I don't know, I just want to give a little bit of credit where credit's due. Although I, I do want to mention this last quote in the book from Harry, it's concerning a little bit. Basically, kids aren't allowed to use magic outside of Hogwarts until they're, I guess, fully graduated licensed wizards or however that works. But Harry says in regards to the Dursleys, they don't know we're not allowed to use magic at home. I'm gonna have a lot of fun with Dudley this summer. And I, I get Dudley's still kind of a villain-esque figure in this book, even though he's like a fourth or fifth tier villain at the very best. But it just seems like the same cycle that Petunia and Lily were in that really made Petunia into be not such a nice person towards Harry. So when does this cycle of abuse stop and somebody says, well, we're not gonna fight fire with fire, we're gonna fight fire with water and just end this now. I don't know, maybe that'll be around in another book, but overall for this book, I don't know. I had uh, chapters I loved, chapters I struggled with. Overall, I really liked it. I think I will go through with the next book. Oh, but you know what? There was one issue that did really bug me about the end of the book. I don't know that I really like Dumbledore waving his hands around and changing the winner of the house cup. And don't get me wrong, I understand why he did it and why those poor kids deserved extra points, especially since they really shouldn't have lost points in the first place because, you know, they were not being bad, really. They were trying to help someone else. And since Dumbledore seems to know everything going on around the school, he surely knows that but okay, give the kids the points, no problem. However, couldn't Dumbledore have done that before the feast? I mean, they gave the victory to Slytherin and then just snapped a finger and ripped it right away from them. I don't know though, I guess if you really look at it in context and you see how Slytherin has won over and over and over again in recent years, it's not such a huge loss. But you know, there's people like Malfoy who it's the first time they've won or there's people who are seniors where it's the last time their house would have won. So I I don't know, even in the movie, I didn't have a good taste in my mouth that they gave the victory to Slytherin, said all the points were closed, and then Dumbledore went, ah ha ha, at the last second, actually Gryffindor wins. It just seems like that could have been handled a little bit better and not so dramatic effect for the ending E. But other than that, I really did like this chapter. I will say that my plan at this moment is going to be to try and have a guest with me for most if not every chapter of the books going forward. So I'll have a co-host, a different co-host every week. So if you have a podcast or a YouTube channel or anything like that, and you would like to be part of this, let me know. You can leave me a comment at youtube.com slash thefanily, or you can send me an email at thefangirlyt at gmail.com. And I'm not going to ask that you have a certain amount of viewership, just that you are either running an active channel or podcast or something similar. So I'm not going to have on 
just randos, but other content creators. And I have my first few, but then again, with my rate of reading and how far in advance I have these videos scheduled out, it might be the third book or later that I can get to people who are hearing this and responding to this right now. But anyways, I want to thank you guys so much for coming on this long, winding, twisty Harry Potter journey with me so far. We'll see if I'll make it through all seven books. I'm still not confident on that, but I can at least do book two. I'm going to look at it as one book at a time and then maybe I'll just tick my way through. But no guarantees. Again, doing this with dyslexia is not an easy task at all. So I I don't know, I may end up switching to audiobooks at some point, but for as long as I can read, I'm going to, just because it's so hard for me to write down notes and listen to something or, you know, not get distracted and lose focus. I like reading, I miss reading, but it is not easy for me to read. That's neither here nor there though. So once again, thank you for listening to all of this Harry Potter fun stuff. Hopefully you've enjoyed this as much as I have and all of the discussion and craziness and we will see you next time family members bye well, family members, we're almost done, but I want to invite you to hang out with me in some other places. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as my own personal self, and I have a Facebook page too, but I mostly just post photos over there. And sometimes people say, hey, McGann, I want to mail you something. How do I do that? Easy. Just click the About tab on my channel page, and my most current P.O. Box info will be right there. I also run another channel, The Family. It's really a hodgepodge channel where we might post anything. Oh yeah, and I also sell shirts and stickers and stuff with the family and the fangirl logos. If that is your cup of tea, I have a link in every description of every video. Finally, if you want to help out the fangirl channel and make sure I'm putting out video essays for years to come, the best way you can help is by subscribing and watching more of my videos, whether they're new, old, whatever. Maybe even share one or two on social media, help spread the word. People who watch to the end of videos like you helps to tell the site, hey, this is a good video. We should recommend it to other people. So if you made it this far, leave me a comment of something like, hey, I made it to the end. Love ya. See you next time, family members. Bye.